0: Good evening. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter, Into Action, is what we're studying, and specifically Step 5. And our speaker tonight is Amy G. Thank you, Amy. Oh, great.
1: Awesome. Can, Can you hear me? I think I unmuted myself. Okay, awesome. Great. Sherry, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share my experience, strength, and hope. It's always an honor and a privilege to be of service in a program that has literally saved and transformed my life. Um, So grateful to be here. I mean, this meeting continues to grow. I got like 54 people here. This is awesome to have so many people here. It's great. Um, And I'll do the best I can to carry my higher powers message of this program and these 12 steps that changes our lives. And it's an incredible program. I owe my life to this program. I am a bottle in the bag, living underneath the bridge, compulsive eater, recovering bulimic and anorexic. I have run the full gambit of this disease. My top weight is uh, was one about 170. And then I have what they call in the program, the three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance of this disease. So I just didn't get on the scale anymore. And I probably put on another 20. So I was pushing 200. My lowest weight in my anorexic phase, I did that in Overeaters Anonymous. Some of us are overachievers. (laughs) And uh, I'm a little shy of 5'8", and my weight, I know that number was 102 driving in the car in the summer with the jacket on and the heat on, all of that. But by far and away, my worst manifestation of my illness was my bulimia and uh, my compulsive exercise. And um, you know, it got to a point, this disease is so cunning and baffling. I thought it was a magic trick, trick to eat whatever I want and not get fat. And it used to be before the bulimia, I would eat to the point where my food was like right here, and then I would pass out. But with the bulimia, it allowed me to stick my finger down my throat and purge. And you never get up all those calories, folks. But my binges became 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours by the time I was in a freshman in college. And then I couldn't keep any food in my stomach. And when my fingers couldn't work, I was using knives, ladles and spoons. And this disease ravages us emotionally, physically and spiritually. It certainly did to me. And there were times that I wanted to stick the knives that I stuck down my throat into me. But I thank God, whom I choose to call my higher power, I didn't have the guts. And I believe it to be divine intervention that I never followed through because compulsive eating folks is suicide on the layaway plan. I thought, you know what, I'll diet on Monday while I continue to kill myself with my binging and my purging. So like I said, bottle in the bag underneath the bridge, if there was any way to do this disease, I did it because I couldn't deal with me. You know, compulsive eating for me wasn't the problem. That was my answer to my problem. And my problem was me. Um, Just to qualify, I came to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting in December of 1983. And I spent almost five years in torturous hell of Overeaters Anonymous uh, trying to do it my way trying to use my willpower and my knowledge and even my experience to try to fix me. My family's motto was all it takes is a little willpower. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do anything you put your mind to. What I didn't understand is that although I may have willpower and and achieve in other areas of my life, that worked just fine. But when it came to food, I could not stop. My willpower was null and void. How many times would I stand in front of the refrigerator, five bites into a binge going, how the hell did I get here? Even in over years, anonymous with everything I knew, I was willing to admit powerlessness. I was willing to meet admit I was a compulsive eater, but at some point folks, we have to make a choice. We have to either choose to surrender and only I can do that and work this program. In my opinion, like my hair's on fire or not, it's an all in program. And finally, December 7th of 1987, not a date myself. That's Pearl Harbor day, folks. The ships ships were sunk and so was I. They call the other three D's of the disease when you're ready for program is dying, desperate, and doomed. And that's what I was. When the pain of where you are gets bad enough, you'll move. And finally, this disease beat me to a pulp and I finally surrendered. I thought I was one of those quote, when it talks about it and how it works, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. I thought I was worse than all of you all, but I finally did surrender. You know, the saying is don't walk out five minutes before the miracle, keep coming back. I love slogans. I'll be saying a lot of them, but the three Ds of the disease got me in the program and I was finally willing. You know, it says half measures avail us nothing. And that's what I had tried to do. You know, fourth and fifth step, You know, number one, sure, I admit I was powerless, but four and five, yeah, like no way in hell. Make amends, oh my gosh, that's not gonna happen. So I would work a lot of the other other steps, the ones that were easy, right? Do an inventory, what the hell for, right? I just need to not eat. I bought the myth that the world sells you that thin is well. And I used OA like a diet program. You know, they say OA is like the mafia. Once you get in, you never get out and it ruins all your binges because you know too much. I mean, I thought I was in compulsive eating hell before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, but no, try binging and purging while you know that you're, you, you can't stop. You know, that was hell for me emotionally and spiritually. But finally, I was willing and ready to work these steps. And the first thing was to understand what the big book says about entire abstinence. And for me, that's what the big book says. But, you know, hey, in AA, you put the plug in the jug. In OA, I needed to understand where to put, you know, what in OA, I needed to understand what jug to put the plug in. And for me, I had to work with a sponsor and understand sugar, high fat, flour, volume. That was a big one for me as a bulimic. What those trigger substances were. Those were my alcoholic substance. When AA says entire abstinence, I needed to abstain entirely from them. I'm an unabashed weigh and measurer for over 34 years now, because I don't know three ounces of beef from half a cow, depending on my emotional state, right? So I needed a line in the sand because I could get triggered by volume eating just as easily as sugar, high fat, flour, or volume. I mean, uh, the other three. So I needed to have a food plan that was not created by me, by a dietitian, you know, nutritionist. And I need to understand what true abstinence was. In Overeaters Anonymous, the definition of abstinence is refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy weight, a physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. You know, and I like to add, while doing so happily. Never in my wildest imagining did I ever think there would be a time that food would not be an obsession for me, whether I was eating it, not eating it, puking it, what ordered it in. My life was ruled by the numbers on the scale. I defined myself how I thought you saw me. Didn't matter how I humiliated humiliated myself by worshiping porcelain 10 or 12 times a day. You know, I had, you had to tell me how I was, you know, all of that. And it was, it was hell. And I had to understand what entire abstinence was, be willing to surrender, make a choice, to turn my will in my life over, steps one, two, and three. And then it came to four. And by the time I got to step four and that inventory process, I truly had to understand that my thinking was screwed up. You know what? It may have helped me survive when I was a kid, You know, my family wasn't the most functional in the world. The saying is, you know, 99% of the families in this world are dysfunctional and the other 1% are lying. You know what I mean? Who's to define what that is, right? And that's not to minimize some other crazy, you know, some terrible things that can happen and some really dysfunctional families. But no one tied me down and threw food down my throat. I did that for me. That was my coping mechanism. And I started to understand what was behind all of that. You know, those behaviors that I used to cope were like a boomerang that Bill talks about, where he, he, he talks about a boomerang that was to eventually turn around and shred him to ribbons. And that's what these behaviors were doing. These compulsive eating behaviors were doing to me. I was a selfish, self-centered, immature 22-year-old. And I had to learn how to grow up in these rooms. And I had to understand what was going on with me and that inventory process was unbelievable i worked closely with the sponsor i worked with the four columns that it talks about in the big book and i started to understand not only why i was resentful who i was resentful at what it affected but that next column which was what was the lie that i was believing where was i being selfish dishonest self-seeking and afraid that was causing this from the beginning causing the resentment what was the lie i was believing things like i have to control the world in order to feel safe you know you hurt me i'm going to hurt you worse right uh, i mean it's okay to That's be 10 minutes thank you it's okay to be dishonest if you're in the corner and you're going to get busted fear oh my gosh i was full of fear it's a freaking four letter word for me fear was a springboard and still is for all of my character defects. I mean, fear of not getting what I want, fear of losing what I have, and fear of getting found out. The three, as I've understood it, three basic fears that I have. You know, instincts gone astray. I was impulsive, compulsive, you know, impulsive, all of that. It was a rude awakening for me, but we didn't wallow for long. I set a date and I began my fifth step. And um, I got to tell you, this big book, I love what you all read about it being a textbook. Just to show you, this is my fourth edition. I had to bind it because it's falling apart. I have a third edition where pages have fallen out of. And then I have another one because I'm an old fart that is larger type and has empty pages on the other side so that you can take notes. Because this is what I study on a daily basis. The textbook of Big of Alcoholics Anonymous, take out food, put in Uh, Sorry, take out alcohol, put in food, take out alcoholism, put compulsive eating, and it describes me to a T. So here we are in chapter four, into action. Notice it says into action, not into thinking, into maybe I'll do it, or into philosophizing. It says into action. To me, this is a program of action. I don't think my way into a new way of behaving. I act my way because my thinking, you know, left to my own devices, my thinking is gonna think of some insane and crazy shit thing that's gonna say, oh, you know what, that bite of those food substances is the best idea I had all day, right? I need to learn how to change so that I don't ask myself that question anymore. So now it's into action. I gotta take action. I gotta get a sponsor. I do my four step and now I'm gonna turn it over. And it goes on to say here, We have ascertained, we're in the first paragraph, a couple sentences down, we have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. Again, I came to find out that for a true compulsive eater like me, compulsive eating was the answer, but the trouble, the trouble was me. The trouble wasn't my effed up family. The trouble wasn't the food. Although it did have a lot of consequences, the trouble was me, myself, and I and that's what this fifth step was going to help me reveal particularly that fourth column and then we go it goes on to say this requires action on our part and when completed will mean that we have admitted to ourselves to i mean admitted to god to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our defects this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter You know, the fifth step was a springboard for me understanding what my character defects were. I didn't know what they were. I mean, obviously, lying, stealing, cheating. Yeah, dishonesty. That was not, those were character defects. But what about the more subtle ones like sin of omission, lying by not saying anything, right? Coveting, control, passive aggressive behavior, manipulation, you know, I've heard someone say in the rooms, you know, character defects. Another way of saying that is character defenses, because those were the de- defenses I had in my response to the world, particularly control and manipulation. You know, so as we go on, they say this is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough and admitted these things to ourselves. Um, there is. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another, another person when we see the good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first is that if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. You know, they say this is a program of ego reduction. If I can't tell this to another person, I'm not gonna recover. And they're not messing around here. They not only say it here that we're not gonna recover. It also says right again, this is what page 72 on 74. It says the same thing on page 74 in this chapter. Um, If we expect to, it says, we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long and happily in this world. So this is key. Big book talks about a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. The fourth and the fifth step to me is where that transformation begins because I start a journey into self-introspection and that will go on. Thank you. And that will go on for my lifetime in 10, 11 and 12 is understanding what makes me tick. You know, it's not alcoholism. It's not alcohol-wasm, right? It continues on. We have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And that goes on for me on a daily basis. I may have 34 years, but my sponsor says to me, the one who got up earliest this morning is the one who has the most recovery and the most abstinence because it is a a one-day-at-a-time program. I can be crazy as a loon and still be abstinent. Right? Because I need these steps for personal transformation. Otherwise, I'm just a dry drunk. I have the tools, the steps, and the fellowship to help me stay sane and sober. You know, the tools of abstinence, the tools are on the handrails as you walk up the steps. Writing, you know, here I am in a fourth and fifth step, getting a sponsor, all of these things. I use all these tools every single day. I use the tools, I use the steps. And that's how I stay sane and sober today. Um, I'm just going to read something that I got at a meeting the other day, and I have it written down here. You know, we plagiarize each other like crazy. Who the hell cares, right? So it says here, most people out there, normies, do not take the time to examine our lives and our manner of living. We make, us addicts, make basic assumptions early in life and go from there, rarely questioning if they need to be changed and If they were effective to begin with, right? My fifth step revealed to me that these behaviors, these character defense defects, these, these character defenses were not only wrong, even though created by me, I mean, I did the best I could. It's not my fault. I'm not beating myself up. I didn't know any other way, but they needed to be changed because they were not effective. They were killing me. Why do compulsive overeaters eat? Uh, Compulsive overeaters eat. The big book talks about it. We are restless, irritable. It's in the doctor's opinion. I can't remember the page off the top of my head, but we are restless, irritable, and discontent until we can again sense the ease and comfort that comes at once from taking a bite or a drink that we see others taking with impunity, right? And then we're off to a binge and there we go. But it's that sense of ease and comfort restless, irritable, and discontent. They call it the RIDS. And I had RIDS in spades because of these character defects. So I started to become empowered through this program and with the help of my higher power to understand what made me tick. And the fifth step is what started that process. I thought it would be so horrific to have to do this. But by the time I was done, I started having what they call the fifth step promises. It was such a relief, like a weight. I felt like I was, you know, I had an elephant sitting on my chest half the time, you know, before I came to program. And I had no idea what I was going to come up with after I turned things over in a fifth step. And I'll just just wrap things up with what it talks about here with these fifth step promises. It says here on page 75, we pocket our pride and go to it illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of our past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall away from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. That feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly, we will feel we're on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Now, don't get me wrong, this was not like a mountaintop burning bush experience, but I did feel a weight being lifted, you know? And this idea of being perfect peace, you know? I think that is a process, but I started to feel a new peace and acceptance and care for myself. I don't know about you all, but before I came to this program, I hated and I loathed myself. You know, I didn't care what I did to myself in private as long as you could tell me I was okay. Like I said before, I was a hole in the soul that tried to fill it with a knife and a fork. And by the time I did that fifth step where I, for the first time in my life was entirely honest with someone else. Instead, those secrets that I held that were killing me by telling them I started to become free. And that's where the peace and ease began for me. Look the world in the eye. All of a sudden, I wasn't worse than you all, but I wasn't better than you all either. I was just somewhere in the middle. I was a human being. I was finally just a human being, right? Recovered, not cured, making my way, progress, not perfection. And and, and that's the beauty of that fifth step of finally telling someone else, and starting to understand me and it's been an incredible journey i mean i can't this is not the time but i mean i can't jam in 30 years of recovery in there but like i said i had this growing up to do of how to be a contributing member of society how to get a job move out of my house how to date not take hostages have a real relationship how to get married how to have children you know how to now be an empty nuster i'm like wtf what is that how to deal with covid I mean, all of these things. But what I have found is that this program has equipped me with a new way to live life. And, you know, they talk about a fifth, a fourth dimension. You know, we know the three dimensions, but we don't know the fourth dimension. I didn't know. When they say rocketed into a fourth dimension, I didn't know that dimension was out there. If you had asked me what my dream of a great life was and my wishes and what my dimension of living was before program. If I had a genie in a bottle and I rubbed it and I had three wishes, I would tell you that my first wish would have been to eat whatever I want and not get fat. My second wish would have been eat whatever I want and not get fat. My third wish, can you guess it? Eat whatever I want and not get fat. That was the breadth and width of my mind and my thinking.
0: That's time. Now,
1: is that two minutes? Is that wrapping up? Okay, great. I'm there. Okay. So now I have a fourth dimension of living that equips me with a new power and a new way to live my life. And I'm just going to wrap up with one of the stories, a quote from one of the stories in the fourth edition of the Alcoholics Anonymous stories. It's called Me, an Alcoholic. And uh, I love this part. And it says here, here I have found an ingredient that had been lacking in any other effort that I made to save myself. Here was power. Here was power to live to the end of any given day, power to have the courage to face the next day, power to have friends, power to help people, power to be sane, power to stay sober. Moreover, I am deeply convinced that so long as I continue to strive in my bumbling way, toward these principles I first encountered in the earlier chapters of this book, this remarkable power will continue to flow through me. What is this power? With my AA and OA friends, all I can say is that this power is greater than myself. And if pressed, all I can do is follow what the psalmist who said long before me, be still and
0: know that I am God. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Oh, wow, Amy, that was amazing. Thank you so much. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter into action and the fifth step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host, Kristen, will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would Roberto please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Hi, Clarissa. Let's go ahead and. Clarissa, compulsive, overeater, addict. Um, What were the three Ds? Denial, delusion, and what was the third one? Defiance. Defiance. Thank you. Now go to Stephanie S. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much. That was really amazing. Um, I, I'm Stephanie S., I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic in Florida. Um, I definitely identified with your description of going through all the phases of an eating disorder because um, I've also through all the phases. Um, I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit more about the three fears that you discussed, you said, or you mentioned, you said the fear of not getting what I want, the fear of losing what I have and the fear of being found out. Could you elaborate a little bit more on those? Thank you.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, you know, in doing this fourth step, I started to understand that fear is is an incredible motivator for wrong, you know, for character defenses to, to, to happen. And, you know, to be honest with you, when it came to the fourth column and my sponsor would say, you know, what is the lie you're believing? What came up again and again and again was being afraid, you know, being afraid of so many things and not feeling like I was in control of my life and having to control it. You know, fear of being out of a control. And that's when we started to drill down on those three main fears. I, I mean, I didn't make them up. they, She just told me, Amy, you know what I mean? Like I said, plagiarizing here. She just told me, Amy, there really are base, three basic fears. Fear of not getting found out, fear of losing something you have, and the fear of getting found out. And I could understand the first two really easily. But the fear of not getting found out, that was a really interesting one for me. But it all comes down to where I'm selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid. You know, my dishonesty um, of not being found out. I mean, heck, you, I'm sure you understand. As a bulimic, I lived a double life. And I lived a life that was, if you actually knew who I was and understood how I felt, you would not love me. So I was afraid of being found out because I thought that I wasn't good enough. I believed that I was, uh, you know, you're not a human being. You have to be a human doing performance was everything, you know? So I lived a lie and that living that double life, it was like, you know, I was stretched so thin. I felt like I had a grand Canyon inside of me because I couldn't keep that up. I mean, half my binging was about just trying to anesthetize that Grand Canyon, that that dichotomy, pretending that I looked okay, right? Because God forbid you find out how I actually am, you know? And and those fears are very core. So we did a lot of work on that. And it's been very helpful for me because a lot of times my responses, even today, you know, I've heard. That when my response is out of proportion with what is actually going on, right, the situation in front of me, when it's out of proportion with reality, it usually has something to do with one of my fears, one of my core fears and and absolutely true. And so I use the fellowship to try to work it out and find out what that fear is. And usually I get an answer as to one of those three. It usually always comes down to one of those three. I hope that helps. Thank you so much. Now we're gonna go to Sherry M.
0: Hi, um, good evening. My name is Sherry M and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And I wanted to thank you so much, Amy. Um, I got, once again, it was just a jam packed 20 minutes. I'm so grateful that it's recorded. I have listened to so many of your recordings since I've been in this recovered state over the last two years and they've been so helpful to me. So thank you so much for all the service that you do and that you've given. And something that I wanted, you know, was really resonating with me is how um, being, you know, I was food reliant If this is what, you know, differentiates when I was abstinent, I was still reliant on food, not a higher power. I would still find a time when I would pick up to numb out and to really deal with these fears, right? Fear of every fear that you mentioned, there's so many, um, but really that fear of exposure and, you know, I had a situation come up and I, I really believe it's because I'm God reliant, I'm higher power reliant and because of this fifth step pro- process and wanting to live transparent um, in a way that is going to keep me away from the food. Right? I do this because my life depends on it and thank you so much for pointing that out. We do these things because there are death threats throughout the entire big book that tell me if I don't do this I'm going to pick up and if I pick up I'm going to die and I don't wanna die. So this is a daily reprieve. And I had a situation come up with my stepdaughter's um, boyfriend sending me um, something on Instagram, like something that I deemed to be inappropriate. And the old Sherry would have just kept it secret, kept it hidden, I don't wanna rock the boat, And I would have probably, that probably would have led me to food, honestly, because these are the things I used to eat over. And, you know, after doing a 10 step and then I I exposed it to the light, I feel like this is what the step five is, is bringing it to another person and to the higher power, exposing the truth and being um, and taking that leap of faith that somebody else is going to know about me and find out my humanness. So thank you for talking about the human, I'm a human being. This disturbed me. I shared it with my husband, he was in agreement, did another, te- I sat on it still, and then finally I thought, "I this is going to be a wedge between me and my stepdaughter, I need to expose it to the light, asked her if she could have a conversation, I brought it to her, and I asked her what, what her feedback was and how she thought I should handle that um, situation, and what her take was on it, and that I would do whatever she thought was best in this situation. And that was yesterday and all day long, keep turning the fear over to God. I have no idea how this is gonna turn out or anything. Again, everything that I think needs to be changed, right? All of these old perceptions of I'm gonna get in trouble if I I didn't do anything, something disturbed me, I'm human, I have the right to say that. And I don't want there to be anything strange happening, any weird energy. So let's just get the truth out everybody. And I and I believe it's because I'm entirely abstinent in a recovered state that I'm able to live where I don't need food for courage. This is something I would have eaten extra food to have that conversation. And but but for the grace of God, Goli, that I like you follow these instructions every day, I can be a free woman and I sleep at night now with this situation knowing that I did the sober thing, that I'm gonna be free and I can leave the results to God. However, it turns out my higher powers got me in the palm of his hand. So thank you so much. Okay, so now that's back to me. <laughs> we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?